Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Forty-six, four-six. That's a four followed by a six. Why? Why do I always feel as if I lose my mind as soon as we start recording? <coughs> and the cough is back. I think I've been cursed. Um, I think I will forever be recording a podcast and have a tickly cough. Anyway, ep- episode forty-six. Welcome to another episode of the Scott Gibson Show. I am Scott Gibson. This is my show. It's in the title. Welcome. Thank you for joining us again. Hope you are safe. Hope you are well. Wherever in the world you may be. Whether it be in the in the fires of San Francisco, which we shall be discussing momentarily. Or here in Old Blighty. I am uh, I'm in Edinburgh, for those of you who don't know. <clears throat> A city which is defiant in the face of Nicola Sturgeon. And her attempts to save us all from COVID-19. Glasgow. So I was in Glasgow last week. Uh, at the end of last week. <coughs> excuse me. It's the first time I've been back in Glasgow for maybe two months. I think it was the last time I was through there. 
to see the parental unit, Mama Bear. And uh, I have to say, it was depressing is probably the right word. Incredibly depressing. I drove through the city and uh, I drove around, because I've not been in Glasgow for a while, right? I drove around the city for a bit. Um, I went through the West End, came back up through city centre. <clears throat> went down Kamala Road, travelled through the south side and then went on to, to Renfrew. And um, I've got to say, man, it was, it was depressing to see Glasgow in the state it was in. It looks dirty. It, it looks disgusting. The city centre looks... It looks like it's been abandoned. Let's, like, almost I am legend. You know, like, give it another couple of weeks, another couple of months, and nature will consume the city. It just looks dirty. Now, Glasgow's always been, you know, compared to Edinburgh, even Dundee. Dundee's a very clean city, but compared to Dundee, Aberdeen, right, the big four, Glasgow's always been that kind of constant grey sky, you know, dark, kind of grimy. It's always had that feel about it, but it just looks... It just looks a mess, you know? And uh, City Centre was quiet, a lot of shops boarded up, a lot of shops for rent or for sale, places that I'd recognise, restaurants that I'd recognise now empty. <clears throat> and it's a very sad state of affairs, man. And I, 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 I know, again, I fall into the whole... Don't think about stuff, don't worry about it. But I, I can only compare it to Edinburgh, where I am now. You know, I don't I don't consider Edinburgh my home. I, I will always think of Glasgow's my home. That's where I you know grew up around in and around Glasgow. That's always the part of the country that you'll gravitate towards and feel like that is where home, if you need somewhere to call home is. But I can only compare it to where I am now. And the fact that Glasgow in the West is having these further restrictions imposed upon them, but nothing is happening in Edinburgh. And I don't mean like, you know, pubs are... How's the way say? I don't mean like in Edinburgh there's a, there's a fear, because there's obviously still a fear of COVID and what's going to happen, but nothing is happening. Every street in Edinburgh is fucking swamped either with tourists or in the non-tourist bits where I live, with locals. Fucking swamped. I'm talking four or five deep on a pavement. Try walking down a street in Edinburgh, social distance, avoid people. Fucking forget it, mate. The Royal Mile is as busy as it has been. Now, there will be businesses in Edinburgh who are suffering. There will be people who live in Edinburgh who say that's bullshit, but I am telling you, for a, a a country that is dealing with a global, a global pandemic, that Royal Mile is fucking swamped with tourists. Bars are full, restaurants are full, cafes are full. But yet somehow, Glasgow has been forced into this lockdown. We've had the extension of live venues. What is today's day? I'm recording this on Tuesday, right? 15th. Yesterday, Monday the 14th, was meant to be the date that live venues reopened in Scotland. Yesterday should have been the date when you could hold 
gigs indoors again in Scotland. And that was pushed back. It's been pushed back to the 1st of October where it will be reviewed. Another <coughs> slap in the face for the arts industry. <clears throat> An industry that is, in my opinion, continued to be abused by people in power. Now, I'm not going to sit here and slate Nicola Sturgeon. I'm not going to slate the SNP. But I do think they have fucked themselves in the arse these last couple of weeks with some of the decisions that they've made. Obviously, the argument is that I'm taking this personally because it's affecting me directly to pushing these dates. But at the same time, just compare those two cities. Compare them. Glasgow against Edinburgh. Compare them. <clears throat> what is going on in my throat? We've been comparing them for fucking since Scotland began, for God's sake. East versus West. 40 miles of a difference. 40 miles separates the two. 40 miles. That's fuck all. 40 miles separates Glasgow and Edinburgh. And look how those two cities are completely different in the way that they are being managed. And all it can come down to is money. That's it. That's all it can come down to. You don't get the level of tourism in Glasgow as you do in Edinburgh. Glasgow is not a residential city. Edinburgh is a residential city. Everybody in Edinburgh lives in fucking Edinburgh. Glasgow is a city. It's huge when you look at it in a map. But the residential parts of Glasgow are around the outskirts. It's not the city centre. So you can shut that down because people can work from home or people can be furloughed or people can be fired or lose their jobs. <clears throat> Edinburgh, you can't do that. You can't shut down Edinburgh because that's where people live. You can't shut down the tourism because that's what brings the money into the country. So is this all just about money? I don't fucking know anymore. Even in the midst of... I, I mean, this is the world. A global pandemic. Everybody's dealing with different, but yet still we go, hey, fucking come on over and see the castle, man. Fuck it. Do I have to wear a mask? Mate, forget the mask. This is Edinburgh, man. You can do what you want. As long as you're spending money, we don't give a fuck. If any city in Scotland should be put back into lockdown, it's fucking Edinburgh. <clears throat> the number's gone up. The R number. Still don't know what the fuck the R number is. Has gone up, apparently. The cases are, are, are rising. Confirmed cases. New cases are going up. And not, not one person is saying cases are going up because more people have been tested. You know, not one not one person has come out and said that. Not one person for the government has went, look, numbers are going up because more people have been tested. It's as simple as that. Oh, it's so hard not to think about it or not to even discuss it or talk about it. You know, because it's just it just consumes everything we do and it's constant contradiction. So... Uh, like, move on. I, I was watching documentary Netflix, Social Dilemma, right? And interestingly, I was thinking about kind of the COVID stuff as well because before social media, you know, before before where we are now, 2020, right? If we maybe look at four or five years ago, Twitter, for example, was a great source of information, factual information. Even the term fact-checking, which became part of a, 
our, uh, our, our psyche and, and become part of our dialect. We, we, we were aware of these terms and you would go on Twitter and you would find news articles that gave you the truth or told you the real information. Fast forward to now, five years down the line, we're now in a point where there is so much shit being shared around online that literally we know nothing. Even now, even now that we are seven months into this, I still don't know how COVID-19 started. I still don't know. And neither do you. But somebody does. We still don't know where we are with a vaccine. We still don't know what's going to happen with that rollout. We don't know what the plans are for next year. We don't know what the financial implications are. Somebody does. Somebody fucking tell us what's going on. Maybe we all just need to move to Russia. Maybe we all just need to move to Moscow. Keep putting 30% of your earnings and fucking live a, a happy life in the Russia. Mala Russia. And then even with all the conspiracies and everything else is going on, are you going to queue up to get a vaccine? I mean, probably. Probably. Are you going to question what's in it? No. Fuck knows what's happening, man. So, Social Dilemma. It's a documentary on Netflix, and it's about social media, right? And to be honest with you, it's one of these documentaries where, really, you know everything. You know everything that's been discussed. We know that social media is addictive. We know that you can become addicted to it. We know that it can change the way that you live your life, the way you interact with people, relationships, form you as a person. We understand that. We know that companies are collating our data. We know that they're selling that data. We really don't understand what data is. We just know, somebody's either fucking, they've got your data, Franco. Know what I mean? You need to watch yourself, mate. I've been every country and they've all got your data. And then they're selling your data, and then Elon Musk is like putting all that data into the ground and like building tunnels with it. And then you just go to think about your data, you know what I mean? Because I used to think data was that guy on fucking Star Trek with a with a mad face and that, you know what I mean? But your data, see every time you're on your phone, it's like fucking here's my data, you know what I mean? Nobody knows what it is. We we don't know. You know? You go on a website and it's like, do you accept Everything that I'm about, you're like, fucking accept. And then, what, my data's gone, and they're saying, who's buying it? What what they do with my data? I don't know. But the documentary itself goes into the fact of, you meet some people who are responsible for things, like you meet the guy who's, and it keeps coming up in this, you know when you do like talking head things, and it'll say like, Scott Gibson, comedian, podcaster, you know, or I'll go like, Jackie Bird, cow, newsreader. Right? Why did I say Jackie Bird? Don't know. Because she has a cow. So this guy, is, he, he keeps talking and it comes up underneath creator of the like button. And you're like, oh, God. What a claim to fame. And the thing is, almost every single one of these guys, and it's, it's, it's a lot of guys in it, they just look like they're a bunch of fucking dicks. They look like a wee bunch of dicks that would be like in a house party. You know, getting getting drunk on like two thousand pound bottles of champagne or wine, even though it tastes disgusting, but they think it's cool because they can spend that kind of money. That's what all these wee guys look like. Yeah, I'm actually the guy who invented the like button. Go take a fuck to yourself, mate. 
So the documentary has people who work for these social media companies, uh, also including Google, and they tell you about how you know disruptive it can be for your life, and it can talk to you about what it can do, and they have different people on discussing ways in which they've set up social media and social networking so that it does hold your attention and how it gives you that dopamine hit again another term that 10 years ago we would never have known you know somebody come up to the street and went you want, you want a dopamine hit mate I don't touch that gear I've been clean for four years so they talk about Instagram for example when you have to scroll you know you can you drag the page down and you, and you can see the wheel turning and it's giving you that feeling of excitement almost like gambling like a you know, a one-armed bandit, like a puggy machine, when you pull it and it spins and it's that excitement, that's the same feeling and the same um, user experience that they wanted to create with Instagram, you know, and when you start to, when you start to kind of take a step back from that and, and realise yourself that there has been times when, you know, you've went to refresh and, for example, say cannot refresh and you panic and, and there's a, there is a feeling of anticipation is what am I going to see, what, what's going to interact, or your phone goes off with a notification, and there's a feeling of euphoria, you know, you get that dopamine hit, or you, you put out a tweet or a or a post, and it gets thousands of likes and retweets, and, and it gives you that that feeling, you know, we've all had that feeling, you may not be able to express it or, or fully explain it, but we understand what that feeling is, and it is addictive, and that is why these companies create these things. Social media is not, like they're saying, it's not a tool for you to share pictures with someone, you know, or, or, to, or to tell your wee stories. It's it's for two things. It's a chance for you to be the fucking star of your own movie, right? It's a chance for everybody to have their five minutes of fame and, and hold court and be in a position of power. If that's what you want, you know, it, it's social media is a way for you to have everything that you don't have in your normal life. You know, and you can create this world for yourself, but then it drags you in and you become addicted to it. And the worrying aspect of that is the rise in suicide rates in young people, the rise in anxiety in young people, the fact that young people are not having what we would class as normal relationships anymore. So they're not going on dates, they're not having sex, you know, they're not having as much sex with each other, which is mental to think that everybody bangs on in there, but oh, everything's so sexual and it's just every, every time I turn it, no one's. Sex, bloody sex. Young people, they're having fucking sex. You know, they're at home fucking sticking their dick in a plug or something or wanking into a sock full of jelly. I don't know what they're doing with a virtual reality headset on, shagging some monster with six arms and a fucking samurai sword. I don't know what young people are doing. Well, they're not getting out and getting fucking ching up their snot and banging arses, you know what I mean? <laughs> at the old days. Sneaking into a nightclub at 14. Try to pull some forty-year-old woman. It, it's worrying because again, it's one of those things where social media is in everything. It's in everything. I I use it every day. I fucking hate it. I hate it, but I use it every day. I'm, I'm going to advertise this podcast in it. I'm going to hope that people will share it. You know, I'll use it to advertise gigs, post up links to stuff. How, how else would you do it? Listen, don't, I, I would love it if we could go back to a time without social media. I would love that. Fully on board for that. You know? Do like a mailing list or something and 
have everything come out in your mail list once a week, have have quality journalism again, you know, not have to post everything online, not have to have that feeling of constantly need to be visible online. I would fucking love that. But please believe me, my dream would be to get to a point that I was successful enough that I could come off social media. That would be my dream. Come off social media completely, have nothing, no online presence. Do my podcast every week as normal, put out the episodes, have people listen to it, grow the fan base that way, send out a newsletter of information once a week. That would be my dream. But we are so far from there, it's no even within, you know, I can't even see it. That's how far away we are for that. But maybe one day, you don't know, maybe one day it'll change, but social media is not going to change because it is such a huge money maker and it's so entrenched in everything that we do that it's ne- we're never going to get rid of it. You know, we're never going to escape it. So maybe the, maybe documentaries like Social Dilemma, you shouldn't take them as shock because I've, I've seen a few people post, I've got two mates, right, who just, they'll watch anything and then it's, it's blind panic. In the name of God! I watched this documentary and the fucking Mayans are right. We're all going to die in a fire. Everything, everything that they watch, they take as truth. Instead of distance yourself from it a bit and realising this is still a show. Right? Because the two things to take for social media, the social dilemma, sorry, documentary, like I say, is it's nothing you don't already know. It's nothing you don't already know. You know it's addictive. You know it's designed to hook you. You know it's designed to draw you in. There's nothing you don't already know. But maybe the point of it is for us to be a bit more aware of it. To be a bit more aware of it. To start to look at things on our phone like screen time, for example. How long are we spending on our phones? I was disgusted to see how long I'm spending on my phone. Disgusted. So to take from that, I know that I have to spend... Less time on my phone, less time on social media, less time playing games, more time living in the real world, interacting with people, even working, you know, doing projects, writing, do more writing, not just stand up, but the other little thing that I'm trying to get off the ground as well, writing more stories, doing more stuff, that's what I'm going to take from it, because like I said, it's never, it's never going to leave, you know, social media is never going to go, it's never going to let, let us go. There was an interesting quote, and I've written it down, and this was from the guy who um, was responsible. He, he worked for Google, and uh, he had did this internal, um, internal I don't know, do- document, I suppose you would call it, um, that, he, that he sent out to everybody within Google, and like it blew up and went crazy, right? And the head of Google had, had heard about this in four different meetings, this, this presentation that was being passed around, and then four days later, it was gone, nothing happened, it was shut down, that was it. And his whole thing was about, are we not looking at the addictive nature of, um, I think, it, I think it, I want to say it was email, or, or G, I want to say that, are we not looking at the addictiveness or how people can become addicted to this, how it can affect their mental health, are we not looking at that? And people were like, that's not your job, what the fuck are you talking about? But the other interesting thing about the documentary is that everybody who you meet or who you're introduced to as like, these social warriors are going, I, I remember it once when I worked for, for fucking Twitter. I was like, here, listen, see all this stuff? Cunts are getting pure addicted, man, and this isn't right, and I'm fucking out of here. Every single person you hear has got the same fucking bullshit story. 
you know, I, I, I never get into this job to hurt people and do, do, do. And I was questioning this and I was questioning that. And all they've done is they have gone from working in the devil's lair to setting up their own wee fucking lair where they benefit as well. They still make millions and they do tours and talk shit about how they fucking want to help people and then they set up their own social networking and they own, their own social media networking is going to, oh, it's going to be nice and kind and it's not going to have like buttons and it's they're just the same people. They're selling you the same fucking shite. It's the same thing with a different hat on. That's it. It's fucking China. They're China. You know? You buy something off Amazon, right? For example, I bought a phone cover, right? This phone cover. And it turns up and I'm going, that is a fucking Apple phone. It's the, it's the Apple phone cover. Just without the Apple sign on the back of it. That's it. It's the same fucking thing. Same material inside. Same printing inside. Same branding. It's the same fucking thing. Only I get it off Amazon for a tenner. Instead of paying 50 quid for the Apple shop. This is what these guys are. We've got this new uh, social human networking site. Like, fuck off, mate. You're doing the exact same bollocks as them. It's just a different name. But this week, this was one of the, the quotes, right, from him. And his quote was, social media designed to see how much of your life we can get you to give us. And that that is what stuck with me. How much of your life we can get you to give us. They they know themselves that they, they're putting themselves in a position, I suppose maybe even legally, where they're going, listen, we've we've done nothing. We haven't we haven't taken this person's data we haven't taken this person's time they have willingly given us this information they have willingly given us every aspect of their life so that's the things that i will take away for that document you should watch it right you should watch it but understand that it is still an entertainment program and the people who are in it although they seem as though they're coming across the good guys they're as much a bunch of bastards as the people who are still working for these companies but I think maybe the thing to take from it is certainly be more aware of how long we are spending on, you know, social media. Be aware, try and become aware of when your phone does ping and you, you reach for it instantly. You know, be aware of, I don't even know, I'm, I'm not I'm not aware that I'm fucking reaching for this. I'm just almost training myself and training yourself. A good way, I, I have taken, for example, what I'm doing taking all my notifications off. So I turned off all my notifications on my social uh, media. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Turned off the notifications. So now if I get a tweet or I get a post or whatever, I don't see it on my phone. It doesn't make a noise. And even that, even doing that, has reduced the amount of time I'm on it incredibly because throughout the day I'll, I'll check it, but not as frequently as I did when I was getting things pinged through all the time. So that's certainly one way. There are there are ways in which you can do it. Um but I think it's probably about being a bit more understanding of what you know, just how much of your time you're wasting on these things that are not important. I mean if that's that's probably the one thing that we should be taking for this situation that we're in for fuck's sake, how valuable your time is, how important your time is to you. And even in a day how little time that you have you're fucking sleeping for six, seven hours a night. You're working for eight hours a day. There's not much time left. And we choose to waste it on social media instead of interacting with, you know, the real people we have in our lives. 
Watch it though. It is it's worth a watch. Social Dilemma on Netflix. Um see what you think man. Get in touch. Fucking tweet me. <laughs> Send me an Instagram man. <laughs> it's interesting that as soon as you watch this stuff, you go straight on social media going, Have you seen this fucking thing about it, man? I know I'm doing this on Facebook, but where else am I gonna do it? <laughs> Give it a watch though. Social Dilemma on Netflix. It's worth it. It's worth it. Right, let's get into another news story or a topic that I wanted to discuss. Now, I'm sure many of you have uh, seen the news stories, footage of the fires that are currently happening in America and particularly in San Francisco, right? And when I first saw them, I um, I just assumed there were wildfires and the world's fucked, basically. It's just another thing. Now, there's nothing that can happen now where you're going genuine shock. Like, you're seeing images of full... So there's a, a trailer park, right? Like, I suppose we would call a caravan park. Would we call it a caravan park? Mobile homes or... Anyway, trailer park, right? You know what it is. On fire. And I saw this in a news uh, story that was on, like, CNN, I think it was. And there was no shock, like, no shock whatsoever i mean the fact that we are now bombarded with these images and it doesn't even move us shows you how detached we are for the fucking real world watching a video of people's houses everything they have burned to the fucking ground and you're just watching it going jesus i fuck sick that's mental one aye. it's fires man eh? it's fucking can i still fire man no yeah it's like water you know Oddly, they two can stop each other, but on their own. You know, you can't stop a fireman. You can't stop... Man, it's, it's fucking... World's mental. And I just assumed it was wildfires, and then I started to look at it a little bit more, and then I read a few articles, right? And um, what I never knew is... <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't be laughing because it's no funny, but how this wildfire started, right? And you may already be aware of this. But it started with a gender reveal party. I mean, you literally could not fucking make this up. It, one, it could only be in America, right? It could That could only happen in America. And for the level of destruction that it has caused, these, these people should be fucking put against a wall and shot. This, this should be a message to everyone else. Don't be a fucking idiot. Put the two of them against a wall and fucking bolt gun the bastards. Let, let me read this for you, right? This is a, this is an article for the New York Times. Oh, check us. Um, it's talking you through different, different questions that have been asked and, and giving you the, the information regarding to the fires in San Francisco, right? So the, the headline for this section is how did the wildfire start? Most of the fires in California are caused by people. Oh, fucking hell, man. The El Dorado Fire, which is a, a classic bottle of wine for all you alkies out there. <laughs> two, two bottles of El Dorado, please, my man. Uh, the El Dorado Fire, which has grown to more than 10,000 acres. Let's think about that for a minute. A fire which has grown starts off as a wee fire has grown to 10,000 acres. 
The Eldorado fire, which has grown to more than 10,000 acres, was ignited when a family used a pyrotechnic device to announce the gender of a new baby. Fucking assholes! Just kill them! And I know you, you're going, that's a very dramatic and extreme response. How, how else can you explain to people that the world that you live in, the planet that you are on right now, as you listen to this podcast, as you listen to my voice, the planet you are on is fucking dying. It is dying. And there are people who are trying to kill it faster. That there's no consequences anymore. These two fuck nuggets have had a gender reveal party. Nobody gives a fuck. Nobody cares. This again is all the Americanized. We've got to do a party and we've got to have a gender. Nobody gives a fuck. Do you know what a gender reveal should be? The phone should ring. You go, hello? Yep, speaking. Hi. It's the nurse hen. What are we having? Thanks very much. Cheers, all the best. We're having a wee boy. That's a gender reveal party. And then you go and tell everybody. You don't stand at the back with all your friends and family and a fucking camera crew and somebody on pictures with a fucking drone plane and then set off a balloon, you know, or, or exploding glitter in different colours. Or that they assholes that got the fucking hotel in Dubai light up. It's a boy! Bang! A gender reveal party. Pyrotechnics. And they've started a fire that has spread to 10,000 acres. Get them in the fucking jail. Many others are caused by more mundane human actions like driving uh, a car that sends soot into dry vegetation, as was the case with the Apple fire in Southern California this year. Uh, still others have been caused by power transmission lines or other utility equipment, um, which may spark and ignite fires in remote areas. Pacific, Pacific gas and electric equipment caused by the deadly campfire in 2018. In Oregon, the Statesman Journal reported that the fires in the Santine Canyon area were ignited when falling trees knocked down power lines. But sometimes natural phenomena are to blame. Igniting fires is un in unavoidable ways. Unusual dry lighting lightning storms sparked some of the biggest blazes in America. While it often takes investigators until long after the fires have been extinguished to determine the cause, this year's officials have had to count counter false social media rumours and misinformation that the blazes were set by anti-fascist activists. Again, another fucking great thing about America. It's it's the fascists. It's the fascist set fires. No, mate, it's some dick having a gender reveal party. We're not seeing any indications of a mass political influenced arson campaign, said Joy Kranschnik, a spokesman, spokeswoman with the Oregon Department of Forestry. Uh, once the fires get started, fierce winds have blown them out of control up and down the west coast. The fact that this has been started by a gender reveal party is absolutely fucking insane. I mean, look at this picture, right? Look at this picture, man. This is a fireman. Going at a blue. Now, this isn't a movie. This isn't a Hollywood set. This is fucking real life. Literally a, a, a blaze, a wall of fire behind this man. And he is walking in there with a chainsaw to try and cut down trees that are ablaze so that he can somehow get control of the fire. And this has been caused by a fucking gender review party. This is insane, man. This is insane. 
Now you may I'm gonna show you a wee video now, and if you're listening to this, um, you know, then get on YouTube and watch the video. Um you've probably all seen this, and if you haven't watched it, I, I obviously I'm kinda play it with the music because we're gonna fucking shut down, man. But this is a this is drone footage of the fires in San Francisco themselves. And someone has taken the footage and they have put the music to Blade Runner over the top of it. And when you listen to it with the music, it is the most it's the most fucked up thing you're gonna see because this this video is not altered in any way. It's not it's there's not a filter on it. It is not it's not been you know it, it's not been edited in any way. This is the real footage from the drone over San Francisco. And what's happened is is the whole sky, the complete sky is, is orange, a deep orange colour. It looks like the apocalypse, man. It looks like the end of the earth. It looks like a colony on Mars. That's what it looks like. And and the, the eerie thing about it is this is midday. This is during the day. You know, this isn't two, three in the morning, ten o'clock at night. This is half past eleven in the afternoon. This is midday. And the fires up that coast the way that the smoke and the soot and everything is burning down the coast and being brought in, this is the effect that it's having in San Francisco. And it is unbelievable to see. So, watch this video. I mean, look, just look at that. That is... Here's the really odd thing about it. It is terrifying and strangely beautiful at the same time. I mean, it looks like Mordor in the background but there's something there's something beautiful about it I don't know if it's such a harsh contrast from what normal reality would be but it does it looks like something that some futuristic horror film space age thing and that is all the result of two fucking idiots having a gender reveal party a firework that has gone off gone astray and then spread to 10,000 acres. And the impact of that fire can be felt in San Francisco, turning the sky orange. It is fucking mental, man. Mental. And if you've not seen that, get on YouTube and watch it. It's on the BBC website as well. It's an unbelievable uh, bit of footage, man. God knows what's going to happen over there. It, feel, it feels as if... I mean, it feels like America's on fire constantly, but it's just, we've said this before, it's just too big a country to manage. You know, each state itself is a country. And it, and it, it almost feels as if Trump and what you would class as the kind of political rulers are detaching themselves from the day-to-day -day running because they're, they're moving towards elections in, what, two months' time? Imagine coming out your house. Imagine coming out your house in the morning to go walk the dog or something like that, and you just open the door, and the whole sky is orange. Again, a year ago, you'd maybe come and go, in the name of God, Sandra, am I fucking tripping? But no, if I opened the, if I got to bed in the morning, walked in the living room, went out onto the balcony, and the whole sky above Edinburgh was blood orange, you know, and there's a kind of, a weird kind of soot in the air, that like you can taste it, the air feels thick, you know, you kind of get soot in your clothes. Would not fucking surprise me. I just be like, oh, another another day in COVID. Bring it on. Unbelievable, man. Banned, banned gender reveal party. If you have a gender reveal party, 
what should happen is as soon as the balloon goes off and it's pink or it's fucking blue or whatever it is, a SWAT team should sweep in and the twoies are taken away, never seen again. Your family maybe get like a couple of toes or a hand in the post just to let them know that whatever you are, you're experiencing extreme torture. That's what should happen to you. Either have a fucking Wayne, wait till it comes out, and then say, what is it, by the way? There's your gender reveal. Or just say to the nurse, dick in a fanny. It's a fanny. Hey-oh. That's it. None of this. Let's rent a hotel. Why Why are they even out in the fucking wilderness as well? Let's go and set our fireworks and start a fucking blaze. It covers <laughs> fucking half the West Coast. Absolute fucking idiots. Idiots to pair them. And see if you're having a gender reveal party. You're a fucking dick. Right? I said it. You're an absolute dick. There are some things that come from America you just should leave because we're, we're better than that. Right? We are better than that. Stop having gender reveal parties. Right, let's do a couple of uh, questions, shall we? As always, got some amazing questions in from the for the rascals on Patreon, the Patreonis. Um, if you'd like to ask a question, if you'd like to be part of the 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 rascals on Patreon, please do join Patreon. Best way to support me uh, and support the show, and also for you to get a whole load of extra goodies. You get an extra episode every single Friday, as well as access to comedy albums. Uh, clips and some extra podcasts as well when they drop um, you can sign up to Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Big Scott Gibson or go to the website scottgibsoncomedy.co.uk and all the links um, for Patreon are on there so a couple of questions here um, let's just jump straight in Glenn Glenn has asked uh, an absolute belter of a question uh, Glenn has asked had this debate with my mate Craig uh, the other day but if you could combine any two biscuits to make one hybrid super biscuit what would it be he's gone on to give us some more information he said we are allowing toffee crisp and Twix as a biscuit hmm so far he's had a, a bourbon with an Oreo filling and a caramel wafer with a tea cake centre. And uh, Glenn has gone on to say, I don't think a tea cake should be fucked with. Uh, I think you're right, Glenn. I don't think a tea cake should be fucked with. Although once um, a friend of mine uh, loved tea cakes and I got in touch with Turnocks and said, if I, now this is years ago, if I was willing to pay for it, is there any way Turnocks could make me a giant teacup, tea cake, sorry, like a huge birthday cake size tea cake and uh, they said no <laughs> they went no fuck jink this is <laughs> so I was like well touche tonics can I fuck with a tea cake is a toffee crisp and a Twix a biscuit I'm going to say no I'm going to say no Glenn I'm going to say I- I'm not going to allow a toffee crisp or a Twix to be classed as a biscuit and here is for why if you go down the biscuit aisle in any supermarket you will not find a toffee crisp or a Twix there, son. You'll find that in confectionery. Hybrid biscuit. Hybrid biscuit. 
biscuits that I enjoy. Let's just let's go down that road, right? And then it'll maybe give us something that we can think of here. Um, I enjoy uh, I uh, an oat cake, not an oat cake. Uh, uh, an oat an oat biscuit. What are they called? O oaties, oaties, oaty. A hobnob. Is that it? <laughs> that felt like somebody with dementia trying to remember. Well, that is just an oaty, an oat, an oat, an oat, an oat cake. I know, I know, I know face. Oh, 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 Hobnobs. I enjoy a hobnob. I enjoy a chocolate hobnob. I enjoy a pink wafer. <laughs> That's what she said. I enjoy a pink wafer. Oh, a pink wafer. Could you can But then a pink wafer on its own is a fucking amazing biscuit. You know? Could you do anything different... You wouldn't want to put chocolate on a pink wafer, for example. It's going to destroy that pink wafer flavour. You could maybe have a couple of pink wafers with a filling inside it, but even then you're, you're, you're deviating away from the original taste of a pink flavour. A pink wafer, never mind flavour. I'm going, I'm going to go with this, right? I'm going to go with this. Here's my, here's my ultimate hybrid biscuit, right? I'm going to take, I think they're called smileys. It's effectively, in fact, no, I'm backing off. I'm backing off. i tell you what I'm going to do. Is it a Viennese swirl? Is that what it's called? A Viennese swirl. Swirl! And it's got a kind of cream and jam centre, right? Take that centre out of there, okay? Take that centre out of there. And put that centre in between two digestive biscuits. That's my hybrid. But then now I'm, as I'm saying that now, I'm thinking an empire biscuit is the is the god of biscuits, right? I mean, it's the head of the empire for fuck's sake. It's an empire biscuit, right? Now, if you could make an empire biscuit out of the biscuity bit of a Viennese swirl, so you get two Viennese swirl type biscuits with that jam and cream and then icing sugar on it and a jelly top. Fuck me. But then is Millionaire's shortbread, is that a biscuit? Because if that's a biscuit, what a fucking biscuit. <laughs> you know, bi bi listen, biscuit, the big, this could be the big biscuit debate. Biscuits are a tough one, man. How many times have we got to say biscuit in this podcast? You know, when somebody asks you that, what, what, what's your... what? Make the ultimate hybrid biscuit, you lot. Fucking, here we go, strap in. But it's a difficult one, man, you know? Again, depending on what your emotions are, depending on what, what you're feeling that day, could sway a hybrid biscuit, you know? What if you, <laughs> what if you took an empire biscuit, but instead of having jam in the middle, you had that toffee stuff for a... Millionaire shortbread, shortcake. Oh, oh my god! It's a, it's a tough one, but if I'm if I'm gonna if I'm gonna pick one to do, I'm gonna say keeping it biscuit, keeping it old school. I'm gonna go away. The smiley faces, that filling, the cream and the jam, inside two digestive biscuits. That's what I'm going for. That's what I'm going for. Fuck it, I said it. Stick with that. Good question, though, mate. Good question, Glenn. 
And uh, Glenn asked that question because he's a rascal. He's a Patreon. And you too can become a Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Pigscott Gibson. Right, next question. Uh, see, now I'm just thinking about biscuits. I'm actually thinking about Millionaire Shortbread or Shortcake, whatever you call it. Because they've got one in the co-op pack of four and it's got white chocolate on the top and oh my fucking god what a biscuit right let's move on Simon uh, Simon has asked um, Simon also should say not only a Patreoni the first ever Patreoni that's how much of a legend Simon is and we'll never forget that Simon very first man in the door the bold Simon um, he's asked what's the best sauce you make daddy sauce um I'm all for the classics. My bechamel and hollandaise are dynamite, if I don't say so myself. Um, great question, Simon. Sauces. I'm just going to Google this very quickly since it's mean, another good thing about sitting next to the computer. Um, because I want to actually get the name um, Sauté. Saucière. No, I thought it was going to be something fancy. Obviously, big fan of cooking, love cooking. Um, there is a, an actual uh, chef's role. You know, so you get like pastry chef, for example. A butcher, you can maybe even class within that. Um, and, and there's a title, uh, effectively, sauce chef. So it's a chef who only makes the sauces or who specialises in that. And I thought it was going to be a fancy term. But it's effectively translates to sauce chef, and it's a uh, saute saucier, saucier chef. Um, now there is another documentary which I don't, I don't know if it's still on Netflix, and uh, I can't remember the name. It's this isn't going to help you. Basically, French guy, famous chef, famous restaurant, coming to end of days, and his number two is effectively running it. Uh, then takes over his own restaurant and the their relationship kind of flourishes for there, right? Nice wee story. Uh, the old chef, when he's retired, turns up and helps him make sauces. But the one thing I remember from that is that the French chef, who was the, the old famous chef, became famous and was known in the culinary world as being one of the greatest sauce makers in the world. And sauces has always been something that I'm not very good with. I understand the basics of like how to make a dressing, having the fat and the, the acid, so having like oils and how different oils work with that, adding in lemon juice. And and something that's basic for you to kind of understand with, with sauces anyway in cooking is if you take something like a dressing, right, so you take olive oil and you put it in like a shaker or you put it in a bowl, it's probably better to shake it up and you add like salt and pepper and maybe you add a bit of balsamic right, to make a wee balsamic dressing, and you shake it all up, right, cooking's an amazing thing, because you, it's one of those things where you use everything, you, you, you learn with your eyes, because you can see things change, you learn with your, with your taste, because you're tasting it as you go, you take that simple dressing, olive oil, balsamic vinegar, salt and pepper, put it in a shaker, shake it all up, right, as soon as you add lemon juice to that, so that's your acid, that's your, your bit of acidity, as soon as you add it in, and you shake it up, you can see it in front of you, you can see it change, it'll change its thickness, its consistency, and the flavour, now you add a bit of vinegar in there, another form of acidity, and again you will see it change, and you start to recognise how all of these elements work against each other, and work with each other, 
to make something else. Sauces are a very difficult thing, but when you do them well, you do them amazingly well. Hollandaise, I've only made Hollandaise a couple of times, and uh, very, impre- very impressed, I have to say, when I, when I made it. Um, first time went too far, made it too thick, uh, with the rescue back with a bit of water, but even that is, is a it's a good learning experience as well, because sometimes you take sauces too far, so you either reduce it too much, or you work it too much, and it becomes too thick, and then you, I suppose it's just called bringing it back, where you thin it a little bit, you may add some water, you may add some milk, you may add some lemon juice, and you just bring it back to the level you want. Hollandaise can make a good hollandaise, uh, a wee bechamel, a wee roux, you know, uh, butter and flour, cook it out in the pan, add some milk, get a bechamel, stick some cheese in there, you get a mornay. Making a gravy, man, I think that's one thing, if you make a good gravy, you know, you're jamming. And as I'm saying that, I'm only saying that because I made gravy last night. So, because my missus is vegetarian, uh, or pesky, she eats fish, we Joe Pesci. Um, it's not often that I'll do like cook a full chicken or something like that, right? But I made a chicken the other night. We'd also made uh, dolphin wild potatoes from scratch. And oh my fucking days, these things were unbelievable, man. We're, we're going to do another food um, rabbit hole here. You've done this, Simon. Here's my wee tip for you making dolphin ones, right? You get 300ml of milk, full fat, blue top milk, right? And a carton, which I think is 284ml of double cream. And you put that in a pot and you bring it to a, a gentle simmer, right? You warm it through and in the milk you put some thyme and... Um, Fresh time if you've got it, if no, dry time. I mean, you know, we're, no, we're home cooking, right? We're no fucking Michelin star, so all these people are, you should only use fresh herbs. Fuck those cunts, right? Put a bit of dry time in it and some garlic, depending on how garlicky you like things. I went for two big fat cloves because I like garlic, so uh, chop it up nice and fine, squash it down with the back of your knife, stick it in the milk and bring that up to temperature, right? So bring it up to a kind of gentle simmer. Don't boil it, bring it up. In the meantime, peel all your potatoes, or your tatties, cut them as thin as you can get it, right? Some people will do it in a mandolin, which is one of those slicers. Some people even do it in a food processor. Um, again, if you can cut them, you know, with a knife, just make them as thin as you can. Best thing to do if you're trying to cut really thin potatoes, peel them, top and tail it. So just take a little bit off the end so it's a flat edge. Stand it up in itself and then take just a, just the slightest bit off one of the bevels so that it sits flat. And then you'll be amazed at how easier it is to cut really thin slices of potatoes. And just take your time and do it. Uh, then what you do, get an oven-proof dish. And this is where, this is a wee hack that makes it better, right? Grease-proof paper. Get a bit of grease-proof paper that's big enough to fit in the pan. Scrunch it up in your hand. Fit it inside the pan and then start to layer your potatoes, right, your tatties, so you put a layer of tatties, salt and pepper, pour over that hot milk cream mixture, right, and you only pour it over until it just covers the potatoes, then you put another layer, salt and pepper, pour over the milk, another layer, salt and pepper, pour over the milk, and you do that until you've got no milk and cream left, or you've got no potatoes left, whatever comes first, and then on the top you put cheese, Gruyere cheese, grated, and a little bit of cheddar, 
decorated and then completely cover the full top. Now, the deeper the dish you can get, the better, right? Stick that in the oven, but 150 for an hour. One hour, right? Take it out of the oven, let it go cold, let it go cold, stick it in the fridge, and then next day, or whenever you want to eat it, bring it out, lift it out of the tin with the greaseproof paper, and section it, cut it into portions, and then put that portion back on a baking tray, and heat it in the oven, and that will be the greatest dolphin wire potato you have ever eaten in your life. And by letting it go cold, and then portion it and reheating it, it allows you to get great portions, because if you do it when you're hot, you need to kind of scoop it out, but this way you can, you can cut it, and it looks a bit nicer when it's on the plate. That's my food. We should start like a food section of the podcast. Well, we food tips. Simon, um, no as good at sauces as I would like to be, mate. There, there is one sauce. In fact, I've got it noted down on my phone. This is how sad I am. Where I, I see recipes and things and I, I know what he's doing. And um, I, I want to make this. Now, I saw this on... Um, a show called Worth It, which I watch, which is on uh, Amazon. There's six series of it on Amazon. It's a good wee show. It's only 15 minutes, so short episodes. They effectively take one dish, for example, pasta, or there's a lasagna one, a steak one, uh, egg, and they'll then they'll go to three different restaurants and have the same dish. So they'll go to three different restaurants and have like tacos from each restaurant, and they get progressively higher in price. And then at the end, they decide... What one is worth it at its given price point, right? But they went to this one restaurant, French guy, and he made this burger called the Big Mech. The Mech. And it is a burger covered in Bordelaise sauce. Bordelaise. Which is effectively like a thick, deep, beefy red wine sauce. And it looks unfucking believable Effectively makes... A Big Mac, right? But obviously, you know, high-end. Burger bun, uh, two patties, American cheese in between it, and then you get a big ladle full of this Bordelais sauce. This it looks like a deep gravy. And then they put the bun on top, and that's the burger, right? And it looks unbelievable. But as I was kind of Googling the sauce and look, watching some YouTube videos, it just it sounds like the, the greatest, beefiest gravy you'll ever have in your life so that's the next one I want to try and make Bordelais if anybody out there wants to try it fucking give it a go man buy sauces good question Simon man, good question sauces are often overlooked do you mean that's one part of cooking that people just go I'll make a wee sauce and you can make easy sauces a pan sauce and you know you pour some wine in or you know some cream or something and you scrape all the bits off the bottom of the pan and salt and pepper that's fine but to, to understand all the different sauces and make them it's a skill and it's an art form you know thanks for that Simon good question mate thanks to Simon and thanks to Glenn uh, for their questions this week on the podcast now I'm hungry again we did this every fucking time now I'm starving right let's do Let's finish off this episode with uh, returning to our favourite news outlet. Um, 
It's the Metro, the newspaper that is free, and free for a reason, because shite is no worth paying for. Um, and again, they don't disappoint. They have got some amazing, truly earth-shattering news articles getting to the fucking, the quick of what is happening, not only in world politics, you know, social affairs, what's happening with COVID, you know, America is on fire. Social wars are breaking out up and down the country. You know, race wars are rife in America. People in this country have lost their financial ruin. They've lost their homes, they've lost their, their, their families, their loved ones. People are dying of COVID, coronavirus. China is back open, trading, having a fucking party, and we're still in lockdown. All that that's going on, and the good people at the Metro have got their finger on the pulse and they're bringing us the stories that not only are important, but the stories that we need to know. And it's stories like this. Man 80 blows up his kitchen while trying to swat a fly. <laughs> Man 80 blows up his kitchen while trying to swat a fly. Imagine being on the news desk, if you will, at the Metro. You know? People being murdered in the streets. Police brutality. People in hospitals giving birth. And their, and their partner is unable to be there to experience the birth with them because of extreme lockdown measures. Seven aside football teams having to let somebody go because they're only allowed six in the gang. But do the Metro choose to cover those stories? No, they do not. Because that is all a distraction from the real news that's out there. News like an 80-year-old man blowing up his fucking kitchen by trying to swat a fly. And these are the stories that the people need to hear. So let's read on. As always, if it's your first time in the show, um, this story is taken from the Metro newspaper. You can check out metro.co.uk. I do not know the story. I read it along with you. And as we uncover the madness, we will discuss it. Um, this is from Jen Mills, um, a well-respected and award-winning journalist. She hopes one day to become uh, a pensioner. Great start to any story. Anything that involves something getting blown up, somebody getting shot, somebody getting killed, if the opening line is, a pensioner, you know you're in for an enjoyable read. A pensioner blew up his own kitchen while trying to kill a fly with an electric bug zapper. Ah, <laughs> yes! Yes! Please tell me he fucking hits like a plug and electrocutes himself. The man, who's not been named, 80, was trying to reach the buzzing insect but he hadn't planned for the fact that gas was leaking into the property. Oh, yes! He waved the bug zapper, which looked like a tennis racket. We've all seen these things. You know, you used to, there was a time when everybody had one. I, th I think things like that are... Now, hear me out. We're going off on a tangent here. I think things like that are actually designed as sex toys, right? That, that they, They're afraid to go to the market. There's a real kind of 
reserved nature about talking about sex and things like in this country. I, I really believe it. I think it's very unhealthy. I think we should discuss some more. Things like that when they first came out. You know that somebody's buying that or taking it home and somebody's getting scalped in the arse with an electric bug zapper. You know that is happening. So why pretend? How, what are the chances that a pensioner is going to have the fucking dexterity to catch a fly? I can't even catch a fly sometimes. I've tried to sneak up on a fly in the kitchen with a tea towel ready to fucking whoosh, can't get near it. But you're telling me some fucking eight-year-old pensioner is going to get this with an electric tennis racket? I think not. People are buying that, they'll take the home, they'll get out of the bedroom and somebody's getting scalped in the arse with an electric tennis racket. That's what's happening. But it's been sold as a bug zapper. He waved the bug zapper, which looked like a tennis racket and is designed to burn flies the moment there is contact. Burn a fly, scold your arse cheeks. Burning flies, scolding arse cheeks. That's what we're talking about here. But instead of swatting the fly, the hot instrument ignited the gas. Wonderful. The kitchen and part of the roof was destroyed. <laughs> oh. You shouldn't laugh, man, but you've got to laugh. You know, I've said it before, I'm not laughing because the man's... I mean, I don't even know if he's dead. I'm laughing because it's fucking stupid. How much gas is leaking in this man's house? Was there even a fly to start with? Or is he just hallucinating for all the gas? There's a fu- Where's my electric arse scraper, man? There's a fucking fly in here. He, he, must have, he must have thought... Can you imagine a fly in your house, right? You've been chasing it about for fucking hours. You know, you've gone through everything. You've tried to smash it with your horn. You've tried to go for a tea towel. You've got a rolled up newspaper. You've tried everything. You've went through the fucking cupboard under the stairs to find that electric tennis racket that you and the missus used to use about 10, 15 years ago when you were going through that wee kinky period when you were scalping each other and fucking torturing your bollocks. You found it. You've came out. And you've went, right, you cunt, you're fucking getting it. And then you connect with a fly and the fucking house blows up. <laughs> the fucking house blows up. You're going to have to come quick. Something's happened to your papa. <laughs> Get around the polis out there. Right, Mr McGregor, what, what's, what's seemed to be the problem? One of the fucking Chinese Nazi flies, mate. The thing, it was a drone. It must have had fucking dynamite in it or something like that, sent to kill us, you know. I fucking hit it with a racket and the whole fucking house blew up. <laughs> Compose yourself, Scott. Read the fucking story. The kitchen and part of the roof was destroyed, but the man escaped serious injury by diving on the floor. Shut up. Shut up. An 80-year-old man does not have the ability to die. Is he fucking Jason Bourne? So you're telling me he's hit a fly over an open gas leak. The fucking house has gone up. Kitchen and part of the fucking roof blown off. But this old cunt has had the open mind to dive onto the floor. Well, underneath the fire. Shut the fuck up. He Again, this is what gets me with these stories, right? I understand journalists, right, are probably under pressure to write fucking bullshit every day. I get that. But somebody's going, I've got a story, I've got a hot scoop for you. Uh, 
an old man, a pensioner, blew up his house with a gas leak. Right, okay, t- t- tell me about it. Oh, there was a fly love, and uh, he's got one of the fucking electric R scalpers, and he hit it, there was a gas leak, and the fucking house went up, and and, and did he die at the scene, or was he pronounced dead in hospital? No, no, this is what it's brilliant, love. See, he's ex-special forces, the boy, you know, so he's hit a fly, the houses went up, the fucking roofs came off, but he has dived underneath the flames and managed to survive by crawling along the floor, phone down, fuck off. He was treated in hospital in Liburn, Liburn, where's that, Um, following the disaster, which took place in the French village of Barcoul-Chenade, northeast of Bordeaux, at around 7.45pm on Friday. Fucking bollocks. An investigating source said on this occasion gas was leaking into the man's house. The very hot zapper, or our scalper, ignited the gas causing a sudden explosion. A sudden explosion. The words of a French investigator. Not my words. His words. A sudden explosion. But yet this old cunt has had the peace of mind to dive on the floor. Bullshit. The man was lucky to get away with a burned hand after diving on the floor, but the kitchen was destroyed along with part of the roof. He's not been allowed to return to the house, obviously, because he's fucking mental, and is instead staying in a local campsite until repairs are carried out. Fuck me. French don't fuck about, do they? Eh? Should we take him into police custody? No, 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 no. Should we take him to the uh, local old people's home? No, 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 no. He has a tent. He has a tent, Pierre. He can't stay in the campsite. Hunters are flies the campsite, man. <laughs> Imagine opening your tent. Maybe this is a mental old cunt that just does this. Just blows up houses. You know, he might be mentally ill. It's the flies. There's flies everywhere. There's no flies, you old bastard. Stop fucking setting fire to houses. Open your tent up at 8 o'clock at night. Some old guy's out fucking... The flies! Stay away from my barbecue, you old cunt. I'll fucking break your legs. It is not known whether the offending fly survived the blast. Is the last line of this news article. It is not known whether the offending fly survived the blast. Is what they've written. Now some people will read that and go, huh. That's a nice wee bit to end on. But I read that as, I want to kill myself. I cannot believe this is my job. Jen Mills, you're better than this, hen. You're better than this. Oh, my God. Just when you think that the Metro can't get any better, scroll down. Any one of these mad news stories, if you ever go on the website and look at them, scroll down and look at the comments. Because the... See if I worked for the Metro, right? And I had one of my journalists write that story. First of all, I'd be sitting going, how have I ended up at the Metro, right? But then I run the story and she finishes it with, it is not known whether the fly survived or not. <laughs> the very first comment on this, I would find this person and give them a jog, a job. Because the comment is simple. After that article about a fly swatting gas leak explosion, their comment is simply, Sackly blue bottle. <laughs> Sackly blue bottle. <laughs> uh, 
That is brilliant, man. That is brilliant. Oh, Sacre Blue Bottle. That is fucking brilliant. Oh, good times, man. There you go. Man 80 blows up kitchen. We're trying to swat a fly. Okay, team, that's us. Um, before we wrap this one up, a um, couple of things to say that although, again, just to clarify, the gig on September the 20th has been uh, postponed um, and it's been moved to the end of October. Um, if you do have tickets for the gig on the 20th of September, um, your ticket is automatically valid for the new gig. You don't have to do anything. All the information's passed over. Um, so just bring your original ticket with you um, and your name will be in the door list anyway, so don't worry about it. We have another gig um, coming up. Um, which is in Oban on October 24th at The View. Um, cannot wait to get back to Oban. It is always one of my favourite gigs um, to do in the tour. And we're going to get back up there um, as soon as we get out of this lockdown. So October 24th, The View in Oban, which is going to be a great night, man. It's going to be a great, great gig. October 25th, the Classic Grand in Glasgow is the new date for the postponed gig on the 20th. If you already got tickets for the 25th as well, don't worry, those tickets are valid. And then finally, November the 6th um, in Paisley at the Bungalow, a venue that I've never played, a venue that I have been in though in the past under a different guise when it was a, a rock uh, venue. Um, and again, cannot wait for that. The last check uh, this morning was there are 12 tickets left for Paisley on November the 6th. So if you would want to get tickets to any of these gigs, uh, apart from the 25th in Glasgow because it's sold out, so if you want to come to Oban, 24th October, or Paisley on the 6th of November, go to scottgibsoncomedy.co.uk or go to ctickets.com and search Scott Gibson and you'll be able to get tickets for that. Like I said, plenty of tickets left for Oban. Uh, it's just gone on sale this week and uh, only a few tickets left for Paisley. So grab those tickets while you can. Uh, cannot wait for them, man. It's going to be great. It's going to be. It's just going to be good to get back gigging and get on stage again and do some things. So, thank you for listening. Um, we we've never had a chance to to do some news stories this week either. We've just we've ran out of time. We never had a chance to do uh, the man in a bath. Uh, beat his own record sitting in a, a tub of ice for two years. We never had a chance to do that. We never had a chance to do the new story that is uh, the goat hops in a police car, knocks over paperwork. We never had a chance to do that. And we never had a chance to do the story of the tropical bird that turned out just to be uh, a seagull painted blue. We never had a chance to do that. But we'll do that on another podcast, another episode. So thank you for listening. Um, share, like, subscribe, leave a five star review in iTunes if you want. Um, and that's it. Thank you very much indeed for listening to another episode. And uh, if you want to get access to the extra content, then become a Patreon. It's the best way to support the show. And for you to get all the goodies that drop. Uh, new episodes of the podcast come out every Wednesday. And Patreon episodes come out every single Friday. So join the Patreon for that. As little as $5. And you can do it at patreon.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson. I'll go to the website and you'll get all the links and ticket information and Patreon information there right that's it i'm trying to think if there's anything else to to mention uh i've probably forgot something um but i'll pick that up on friday or next week look after yourself stay safe i know it's getting a bit mental out there people are getting frustrated but you know stay safe and uh wash your hands and your arsehole and uh i'll hopefully see you in a battlefield very soon all right take care team thanks for listening
Speak to you soon. Onwards. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.